Steve, are you ready? Oh, let me check. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Hang on, I gotta find that. No, you're not ready. I mean, it's just. I gotta find that crap the I have to read. Asking. You ready? Yeah. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Steve, how are you? Uh, a little uh, PO'd because. Really? Yeah, because uh, the last time we did one of these. Uh, my name was first, and then your name. So why did you revert back to the nonsense well, of putting... It's already enough that your voice is heard first. Then you have to credit yourself first. And then as an afterthought or an aside, oh, and Steve Baskerville. Well, I can mix it up from week to week. But let's make it perfectly clear why my voice is heard first. Yeah, yeah I'd like to know. <laughs> yeah, you would, because you don't want to go first. <laughs> well... That's true. Why don't you tell everybody you don't like that's your true. you don't like your voice? That's an <clears throat> that's an amazing thing for a broadcaster. You tell, after this many years, after fifty years, do you tell everything that comes out of my mouth? Do you, yes, you tell it. Yes, if you say it on the phone, Man. it's going on this. No, thing. I don't. I don't. For some reason, for me, I don't like uh, to hear my voice, but to hear uh, well and to be a part of of this situation, I want to hear myself. So it's a double-edged sword. How do I you hate like, it, but I got to hear it. How do you like to hear my voice? Can't stand it. <laughs> and I was hoping the, that they could scroll just the words you say, so I don't have to hear it. The other question is: Yeah, we've done about seven of these shows now. Yeah. How yeah. many have you listened to? <laughs> I haven't. You still haven't listened no, to one. No, because I'm still experiencing them. I will. I will. Because I'm going to binge hear them. That's a new expression. When? I'm binge hearing them. Soon. Soon. How's retirement? (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Why do people ask that? Uh, I ask I that. Wonder, I always wonder. Why don't you tell them be, why it's funny to us? I don't know because why. Because I ask you that every week. Yeah, and it doesn't change. And every week I'm back in here in a room without windows and a microphone talking for an hour, and it doesn't feel like I'm retired. But uh, we don't ask people, like, how's unemployment? <laughs> Hey, man, there's still no job. How's, how's unemployment? I mean, it's the that's same good, kind of question, you know? That's a that's When you're a not point. doing anything in retirement, by the way, I'm not doing anything by choice. That's but a people, good point. I think we're also used to having to do all the time. You're doing this by choice, though. By choice, I'm doing and this. The and money's, the, the money's great. What? Why don't we get to our guest? You know what? I think he's probably hung up. Our guest is from Chicagoland, Craig Can. Is it was a veteran anchor on Golf Channel. Now he has a business to prepare people for public speaking, which we could use. Uh, presentations, <laughs> dealing with media, with social media. Craig is from Chicago. He lives in Florida now. And uh, we welcome Craig Can to the program. How are you, Craig? I'm doing great. Uh, it, it's fun listening to you guys, and I don't know that I could possibly help you, to be to be honest. I think you guys have a good thing going. I'm honored to be a guest on this thing, for sure. Have you heard of either one of us? Are you kidding me right now, Steve? <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I actually, the truth oh. of the matter is, I, I am from the city of Chicago. I grew up in Western Springs, went to Lyons Township during the Jeff Hornacek days. I grew up watching... All of you guys on nice. TV. Johnny Morris was an idol. Chet Kopic, Tim Weigel, 
Gian Greco, and then Howard Sudbury. I actually called many of you all and said, how did you get where you are? Now, this either dates us all that we're all old. Um, <laughs> I know Howard, Howard's you guys old. Older. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm serious. I've heard of I've heard of all you guys. You guys are great, and um, it's a pleasure to be with you. Well, that's very kind, um, Craig. We're going to start out. Steve in his retirement, one of his hobbies, he's picked up <laughs> golf, and he's taking lessons. Oh dear God! You and he's man. yes, he's so, just going out onto the golf course. Well, and uh, the tip that I have given him is to don't play like I used to. I used to play so seriously because I got halfway good and I would get so mad if I played poorly it ruined the rest of my day and it took the enjoyment of being outside with my friends and beautiful weather away so I didn't enjoy it unless I played well, well so look, the it, first tip I would give is yeah. enjoyment what would you say I would say drink um, <laughs> and, and make sure that the beverage cart is loaded up and enjoy it with your buddies. You know, that's the, that's the best thing. It's, it's, it's one of the most intimidating sports you can possibly play to get from the range to the actual yeah. field of play. Yeah. And a lot of people never make it across that line because there's a cart behind them with four people who say, pick up the pace, go faster, you're trying to learn. You just got to enjoy it, and that's one of the things uh, in the game that not enough people do. They take it so darn seriously. I was a 4.5 once upon a time, started hosting a bunch of instructional shows on Golf Channel, and zoomed up to a 9 real quick because I'm gullible. I'll listen to anybody's tips, uh, and you just have to remember this is a game for enjoyment. That's how we're trying to grow it. Well, Craig, I have learned that because um – uh, I've learned that there's a big difference from going out and practicing by yourself on the range as opposed to going out in the real world where the grass could mm -hmm. be tall or short or lopsided or all these other sort of obstacles. The other thing I learned is that you sort of get better when you're playing with better golfers, I think. Guys who were better okay. than, than I am uh, and who are patient and want to have fun. Uh, it's fun watching them, and I seem to pick up things that they do correctly. Osmosis is a beautiful thing. Watch the LPGA. Their golf swings have great rhythm and great tempo. You'll probably learn more from them than you might from the PGA Tour watching a guy like Matt Wolf, who's 20 years old, who wins on the PGA Tour with a golf swing that uh, – Looks like he, you know, got sprung out of a jack-in-the-box. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, you know, it, it's like um, the difference between walking outside your front door and saying, I don't think the heavy stuff's going to come down for quite a while yet, considering you're a weatherman, and then mm -hmm. actually standing in front of the green screen and actually telling us that the cold front is moving in and we might have lake effect snow. You know, There's a big difference, you're, right? And, and, you're, and here's the thing, too, that you're hitting on that I, it took me a long time to realize that this was a compliment. I used to run into people all the time who would say, man, I wish I had that job. Anybody could do that. I mean, <laughs> what, you know, what do you do? You work two minutes a day or you go. And I, I used to be upset and have to explain how hard I worked and the hours I put in and the difficulties. It's almost like when you watch golf on TV, I get the impression anybody can do that. Look at how effortlessly that guy just took that swing. I could do that. Before and you, you don't realize that. There's more to it than what you're witnessing from a distance. Before you that answer is, that, uh, Craig. Yeah. Steve, come what? on. Your, what? Your gig was pretty easy. What are you talking about? Your gig was easy. <laughs> you didn't even. Have, you don't have to be right. What are you talking about? Doing the weather. I don't have to be right. You didn't have to be right. Should we talk about those 
uh, scores used to give sometimes at night. Craig, you know what he would do? He'd say he'd what? say he'd, he'd say this. And the Bulls seventy-five. <laughs> <laughs> well, what kind of, I, I what kind of score is that? School with a guy. Uh, one of my one of my college roommates was a meteorologist. All right, and. Yes. He found he couldn't do sports, so he wanted to be a weatherman. And he went to Topeka and, and a bunch, <laughs> bunch of markets, and then he ended up in Seattle. Yeah. And I, I always told him, look, that is the easiest market to be a weatherman that you could possibly end up in. <laughs> 62 degrees and drizzle every day. Yeah. And the only thing that bothered me about weather guys or weather, weather women uh, is that they always stole 30 seconds from the sportscast. Sure, and that yeah. used to drive I, me nuts. And I they love said, that. we got some big weather coming. I go, look, weather's been around for years, okay? It's going to change in five seconds. You know what? Uh, uh, somebody once told uh, Harry Volkman, who used to do weather in Chicago. Yeah. Remember Harry? <laughs> he said yeah. that he, an anchor once told him, I can't think, maybe it was Floyd Calver. I, I think that's what it was. He said, and remember, Harry, weather is sometimes, uh, news is sometimes weather. But weather is never news. <laughs> uh, but that's the point of view everybody has about the weather. And I used to always tell producers, if I run long, you always have sports because sports followed weather. I loved it. <laughs> used to love to go out and, and say, I'm not worried about running over because sports is next. That's their problem. Yeah, yeah and well, it, was, it was our problem. The beauty of what you guys do is that you've been in a market where sports matters. Yeah. And in so many other markets in the country, you know, even some bigger markets, uh, middle markets, sports doesn't matter. And so sportscasters have, have dropped off the face of the planet because uh, they don't have enough to cover that people care about. They have to do all these feature stories and they have to do all these human interest stories, which are great, but they're not hardcore sports. And I always say Chicago is the best sports city in the country. Granted, I'm a homer, but uh, it's true. Things matter in that town. So that's now, that's you guys are lucky. Now, Craig, I, I want to get your impression of this: the uh, sports, weather, uh, political beat, top anchor. No matter who you are on a program that comes on every day for years. And you managed to keep that job for years doing that. It really is. I mean, you've you got to be doing something else than just providing the facts. There, there's got to be some way that you relate to people that you are communicating, uh, uh, saying something about yourself that's coming across and makes some people want to watch you every day. So you're selling yourself, I guess, and you have to look at it a little bit grander than what the newscast is. I mean, don't you think there's something to that? No question about it. That's what I spend most of my time doing. You know, I, I asked myself, I did TV for the better part of 30 years. I was at the Golf Channel as one of the original seven on-air personalities, quote-unquote personalities, uh, back in 1995 when we launched. I left in 2011 to be the chief communications officer at the LPGA and then started my company after uh, the Olympics in Rio in 2016. I started to ask myself if I was just making another show or was I truly making a difference? And the whole thing about longevity in, in media or in television, whatever it is, is do you have a connection with your audience? 
are you more than just a talking head? Are you more than just somebody who reads the news? And uh, if you want brand loyalty, you've got to give people something worth following. And it can't just be what you're reading or what you're saying. You know, communication is the link between ideas and action. You are trying to make people do something or say something. And the fact is, whether it's you, Steve, or Howard, or anybody, they're going to talk about us, right? They're yeah. going to say something. So our job is to give them something worthy of saying. And I always remember this quote from one of my instructors at the University of Missouri in the J School who said, and he's a legend there, and he said, you can't preach to anyone unless you're able to get them into the church. And I've never mm. forgotten that, because if you can't pull your audience in, they're not going to pay attention to you. And we now, more than ever, live in a society filled with distraction. And our job, whether it's you or, or Howard or me, is to undistract people, so to speak, and make them focus, giving them a reason to pay attention, because everybody's talking. Everybody's talking. Everybody's got something to say. Everybody wants. Attention is like currency today, and the best of the best are able to get it. The question becomes, can we actually say something that matters and that provides value to other people? Otherwise, you're just filling time. And that's the case a lot of times on newscasts. People are just filling time and not saying anything, really, and just uh, regurgitating what somebody wrote for them. Uh, before we get into your business, which I think is fascinating, a couple more golf questions. And you don't, I get asked this all the time in Chicago, and, and you don't have to name a name if you don't want, but I want to ask you one of the really good guys on the PGA Tour that you dealt with and one that wasn't so good. And you don't have to answer that one, but nah, I'd, I'd love it if you did. Hey, here, here's, <laughs> here's what I'll say, and I, and I mean this. Um, you know, I was, I was blessed and fortunate to be able to be at the Golf Channel. The Golf Channel, channel uh, has given me the platform that I currently have. You know, I did the best I could to try to provide something to the to the viewer to the listener and build the brand of the golf channel for all those years if not for arnold palmer giving me that opportunity um you know by by starting the golf channel with joe gibbs not the race car and football coach but a different joe gibbs i wouldn't probably be doing what i'm doing right now uh, mr palmer was fantastic i had the great opportunity to fly with him in his airplane once upon a time as he opened a golf course in conyers georgia um, I've been to the White House twice. I've interviewed five presidents, all because of that platform. And one of the reasons the Golf Channel is where it is is because of those players that you're talking about that, that gave back so much. The late, great Payne Stewart could not have been any nicer to me on the way up. He always said, hey, can, come on inside the ropes. Let's talk a little bit. Walk and talk on a Tuesday at a, at a practice round. Davis Love was the same way. Davis Love never turned down an interview. Uh, Fred Couples was always terrific. Fred always, you know, he was a bit of a babbler. You never knew what direction he was going when he was talking, but he was always talking. He had something to say to you, and he was super kind. Uh, numerous guys on the Champions Tour back in the day, whether it was Trevino, when the light came on, he was phenomenal. Um, you know, they always, they always had time for you. But, but I always kind of harken back to, um, to a guy like Steve Stricker, who, you know, had success at the Western Open and, and is semi-local product, and Jerry Kelly, both guys who have won recently, who, who were just really good guys to cover. You know, some of my best friends in golf are, are PGA Tour guys. Obviously, um, somebody like Steve Flesh, who's on TV now, is a very good friend of mine. And somebody who's no longer on the tour, Jay Williamson from St. Louis at Bell Reef, is a, is a very good friend of mine. It's not easy out there. And so you had to tiptoe around that a little bit. There were other guys that were 
were really difficult to deal with um, and, and, in my opinion, thought a little bit more highly of themselves than than they actually deserved. And, um, you know, you had run-ins with some, but very few, very few. And I'm not suggesting that just because I maybe didn't get along with somebody that others, you know, weren't able to say that they were one of their best friends. VJ Singh and I never truly saw eye to eye, although I put a note in his locker to congratulate him on being number one. And then he was upset about something I said on the air one time. And I asked him what it was. And he said, you go look at the tape. And I said, VJ, I'm on quite a bit. No offense. I got to look at a lot of tape. Can you just tell me and then we can talk about it? And we never got very far on that. And my line was always, look, you're very good at what you do. I think I'm pretty darn good at what I do. You just have a few more zeros at the end of your name than I do and, <laughs> um, and, and make money. And your window is, is about the same as mine, and it's what we do with it when we have it. You know, Steve Elkington gave me grief one time because I, I must have said something on the air predicting a winner the next day or whatever. And he, he ended up winning the tournament and said, you're eating crow, mate. And I, I laughed, and we became pretty darn good friends after that. I mean, it's not like we ever had this massive run-in. So I, I think you had to be edgy, uh, a little bit careful, because some guys were edgy, and they have um, rabbit ears, you know? Yeah. And we were the golf channel. For gosh sakes, you know, we weren't talking about skeet shooting or, or NHL hockey. We had to be nice to these players, or they weren't going to give us what we needed to grow. And... Um, so I could go on and on. I had a good relationship with Tiger when he was on the tour. I was the guy at the Hello World press conference in Milwaukee. Um, I was the anchor in the studio by myself on the day after Thanksgiving when he hit the fire hydrant. And in between, I was able to interview him one-on-one after he won the Masters in 97. And, you know, I feel very blessed to have been able to do a lot of those things um, and sit with guys like Jack Nicholas and others who really were difference makers, not just in golf. But in sport, there's so many classy people in the game. You know, when you mentioned Lee Trevino, Steve almost jumped out of his seat. Oh, because you got a great story. He remembers the story that happened to me. All right, tell me if this is typical of a golfer who is full of himself, knows that he is a star, (laughs) and he's out with an audience. So... This is in Cleveland? Yes. Is this where this happened? It was in Cleveland, yes. Lee Trevino is practicing. Well, he was doing an exhibition, so going from yeah. hole to hole, and just everybody yeah. was following him. Including he was, he was, you and other a, reportners. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Howard, uh, Craig, is is one of many in the crowd <clears throat> watching Trevino go through his antics. Trevino spots Howard. I had already <laughs> interviewed him. But he looks at you again. Yes, he does. He, he looks at you. Me. He looks yes. up and he says, my goodness. Howard's got the fox. <laughs> now, and people are wondering, what, what's he talking about? And he pointed to Howard's shirt. He called me over. And uh, he, and you know how you get the the little lizard for, uh, what is well, that? Well, yeah, back then, uh, Craig, this was in the early 80s. Izod was the only shirt yeah, going. Sure, so, well, sure. They were the original clothing uh, apparel brand for the golf channel, yes, by the way. Izod yes, and then... Pennies came, pennies came out with an exact shirt with a fox. Yeah. It looked yes, exactly I the same. So I thought, geez, I could buy four or five of these for two of the yeah. other ones. Yeah. So Lee Trevino wouldn't let it go. Hot damn, Howard's got the fox. So he's humiliating me in front of this crowd because he's thinking he's a TV man. He could probably spring for an IZOD. It wouldn't break you. Yeah. But... but but, but you love that. But it was all in fun. That's sure. uh, that's really a snap. 
damn, how it got to Fox. Yeah. He wouldn't let it go either. Hole a lot of hole, those guys are, are very good storytellers. They're quick-witted. They love telling stories. I mean, you know, I could sit here and I could come up with so many names, you know, and I spent five and a half years on the LPGA, and I, I can tell you, you want to talk about athletes who get it and who understand the value and the importance of, of an opportunity uh, to, to grow awareness and being on television or being in the media, that is the LPGA. And there are so many. I, I don't even know where to start, but, I mean, names like Annika and Lorena and, you know. Uh, did, you even, ever, did, somebody, did you ever come across Ray Knight's wife? What was her name? Nancy, Nancy Lopez. Lopez. Yes. Now, they're no longer together. Right. But Nancy Lopez, you, you want to talk about Arnold Palmer, you might as well throw Nancy Lopez into that, into that mix. I yeah. mean, just 100% class. Every single time, always had time for you. And, and that goes up and down the board with the LPGA players, past and present. They are, they are really great to be around. Hey, Steve, what do you say we take a break? Okay. We'll be right back on Back to You. Hey, this is Tony Lozano, and if you like podcasts, well, I'm the guy that you want to meet. Well, maybe, but I have my own called Nude Hippo, the podcast, and I do it with uh, many members of and friends, uh, including Kimmy. Hello. We feature some of the coolest guests like Brian Cheverini, Ginger Z, Mr. Skin, Tom Dreesen, and so many more. These are like milestone interviews. They're timeless. So this way you could pick it up at any point. I suggest you start from the beginning. Nude Hippo, the podcast, and Opie Show. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. <laughs> Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's unbelievable power from a turbo four-cylinder courtesy of Mercedes-AMG, plus a steal of a price for a Callaway Corvette. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. We are back and back to you, Craig. Let's uh, transition now to your your business that you referred to, and it is the business of communications. And uh, there's a lot to that. I'm sure you talk to corporate people. You might talk to students, and you're telling how to people how to make presentations, uh, athletes how to deal with the media. So why don't you describe for us uh, how all that came about and how it works, and maybe what your message is. Well, I appreciate it. You know, back in the day, I had a company uh, in my last five years at Golf Channel called HTK Media because I had one day a week and I wanted to do something to look ahead with my life as to what I might do if TV went away. And I don't think a lot of people think about the second act or the career pivot or what might happen, you know, later. I mean, I'm blessed to be working on Sirius XM right now as a part of what I do, but this is kind of my main thing. And HTK Media stood for Have the Knowledge, and it was really a consulting brand. And then when I left the LPJ in 2016, I, I talked to a bunch of career coaches and some other people, and they said, you know what, you've got to use your name. You absolutely have to. You built it for 30 years. Use your name and go sell what you've done. And so I changed it to Can Advisory Group. And if you look at the logo um, at canadvisory.com, you'll see the A in Can uh, is basically a mountain peak. And I try to elevate everybody and every brand that I come into contact with through consulting and working on presentation skills. People say, what do you do or what are you? And I say, I'm an elevator. And they laugh, but I say, I elevate people to be better, I elevate brands to be bigger, and I elevate events to be grander. And that's that's really the focus of what I am trying to do. Um, I've had some, some great clients along the way already. I've got a, 
a workshop series that I carry around the country um, that basically is is based on four things, communication, presentation, branding, and bonding. And I say bonding because corporate groups, whether it's Transamerica or Accenture or Diamond Resorts um, or White and Company, who is in Chicago as a as a construction firm, architectural design firm, um, all of them, you know, put their top 20 people. I, I keep it to 20 in a room because it's interactive. And I coach people on how to present the best of themselves and the best of their company story. And there are a lot of people that don't understand we're all salespeople. We all are salespeople. You are selling yourself. Um, and it, it's a great opportunity. And, and when you stand up, the question becomes, can you stand out? And we do that by connecting with other people. And we have to become storytellers and we have to get, get other people talking. So if somebody says, you know, what do you do, Craig? What is Camp Advisor Group Drew? We get people talking. And I'll go in with a company and I'll get uh, their top leaders that we do a custom day. And it's a very interactive workshop where they learn about the power of influence. They learn uh, how to present a story. They learn their company story and their personal story. It's a fantastic day. So uh, I'm really enjoying that. I do the media coaching as well. Uh, and we just started or I just started Can Collegiate, which is a division of Can Advisory Group. And uh, myself and Charles Davis from Fox NFL and Vince Cellini from CNN and NBA TV and Golf Channel is a part of it. And Angel Gray, who's on the sidelines for the Cleveland Cavaliers and a girl by the name of Tiffany Green, who's on ESPN doing play-by-play college football now. Uh, we're all together, along with a guy named Mike Waddell, who's a friend of mine, former athletic director. And we're, we're trying to change athletic programs and colleges one at a time. I'm not too interested in working with professional athletes, although I do it on a consulting one-on-one basis, but I want to give back. And I want to do it with colleges and universities for their student athletes to help teach them uh, the importance of the moment and using the media as an opportunity and not an obligation, uh, because it, it's it's something that's important. And we all have a brand. You guys have one. I have one. And people talk about us. So that's what I'm doing. You know, Craig, what has changed now in recent years as part of letting the world know who you are mm-hmm. is what happens with social media. You know, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Are you concerned about how young people take care of themselves when they're presenting who they are to the world? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I've got three kids, uh, two of which just graduated college and one who's who's entering college. And I've told them, look, I've hired a bunch of people when I was uh, at the LPGA in communications and sat in on interviews for other executives that we were bringing on board. And it's more important than ever because we're going to look at that. We're going to look at those platforms. And I always tell tell students when I'm speaking on college campuses, I want you to look at your last 10 tweets or your last 10 posts and ask yourself what it says about you because that is your brand. And if you're comfortable with what's being put out there, knowing that everybody's going to see that at some point, you know, uh, there's a come to you know what when we're going to try to figure out whether you're the person we want to represent our company or not or be a part of our organization. So it's, it's very important. And what I try to teach people is how do you use that platform to provide value to others? You know, I don't blog to be known. I blog to be knowable. And there's a difference. Uh, you've got to give people something that, that they feel compelled to share that's a value message and that's worthy. And I think that's the direction that, that young kids need to go. They're, they're too caught up in, in sometimes saying things that they could text to their friends, and they don't understand how quickly 
life can change for them when things are shared because everything is shareable. You know, on Twitter, Craig, I started just for my own entertainment, and I try to be clever about it uh, when I respond. But when somebody rips me for something, I've started firing back instead of just letting it go or say thanks or just ignoring it. And I think that's a bad idea. Do you think that's bad, Craig? I've always replied to everybody. Uh, There's some things that I ignore if it gets too off the rails because I don't, you know, I, I do a lot of, I don't. Um, let's just use Twitter as an example. I don't retweet. I retweet with comment all the time because that furthers the conversation. Right. My, my fear in just retweeting or responding, just responding, replying, is nobody sees the context of what you're replying to. So I always put their post in there. My trouble was if they were using language I didn't truly appreciate or didn't want to be a part of my brand, I wasn't going to put that out there. Right. You know, when you're on TV, everybody's got – they're going to rip you for something. So um, I, I have I have coached a lot of people in this. Uh, I think there's a way to reply and a way to take yourself, you know, that, that old line about uh, taking the high road because there's a lot less traffic. Um, I try to do that, but I always try to go. Before I send anything out, I reread it a couple of times. I go, do I really want this out there? Is it really going to help me in any way? Is it going to help or hurt my business? Is it going to help or hurt my brand or my image? Because, you know, our brand isn't what's happening, you know, right now for you guys when you're on this show or me being on this show. It's what happens when we put the microphones or the phones down. It's what other people say about us when we're not in the room and what they say about us when we're not there. So I think we have to be very careful about what we put out. But I, I, you said fire back. I don't fire back. Uh, I'm pretty careful with how I, I protect you know, what I'm putting out there. Hey, Craig, uh, listen to this. I was told this years ago, years ago in the 70s when I was just starting out and I had a general manager of the station in Philadelphia. It was a great place to start out. I got my first job in that market. (laughs) He he called everybody into his suite. He didn't care whether you did the children's show, main anchor, you did uh, cut-ins and on Saturday morning. Everybody pile into my office. We thought the place was closing down. Didn't know what to expect. So we, we get in this GM's office, and he says, you can write this down if you want, but what I'm about to tell you is the truth. Are you ready? And we all went, yeah, we're ready. He said, when you leave this building, you are who you appear to be, so be who you appear to be. <laughs> Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. go outside, you go to the mall, and somebody comes up to you and wants you to sign something or shake hands, and you don't feel like it, and you blow them off, I could put ads on all day about how wonderful you are, but what that person's response is when they tell her their friends about it is damage that you can't believe. You don't feel like it that day, stay home. If you're selling yourself as a nice guy on TV... When I run into you, you better be that nice guy. Or or I don't want to deal with you anymore. I mean, it's one mm-hmm. of those things where you just have that. That's all a part of that brand, I guess. No I, I never forgot that. I mean, there'd be days when uh, you, you just wouldn't, you, you, you feel like you just want to be alone. Or you don't feel like being sociable. Yeah. yeah. I didn't go out on those days. Or I didn't go to areas where I was liable to run into a lot of viewers who wanted to stop and talk. Because I just remembered, okay, this is probably going to be their only time dealing yeah. with me. 
And word of mouth marketing is bigger than ever before. So yeah. once you say something or how you act in front of one becomes uh, much bigger depending upon their power of influence, you know. Mm-hmm. that That's the, the thing we, we – look, you, all three of us can relate to feeling like we're always on. You know, you, yeah. you never – like you get done with a show or you get done with three shows mm-hmm. or however many we would do on a day-to-day basis. You get home and people wouldn't understand. You, I just don't want to go out tonight. Why? Because i got to decompress. I mean, I've been on all day long. And um, living the life of, of, of back time in your life, you know, everything sure. is – timed and what time do you get there and all that sort of stuff and um you know i always tell people think of the outcome first when they're given a presentation or a speech what do you want the outcome to be start with that and then work backwards and figure out what your true message is going to be that's going to provide value and keep your audience's attention i don't know if you guys know this but the average attention span of a human being is eight seconds yeah all right so so that is not a lot of time and uh, and so we don't have a long period of time to engage somebody to begin with, yeah. and then holding their attention is more difficult than ever before. So you've got to you've got to connect with people, and uh, you guys are great at it. You've been great at it. I, I've watched you forever, and um, you know I I think that's the I think that's the key to success in, well, in what we've all tried to do. You know, I had to uh, moderate a panel in front of a couple hundred people about two weeks ago, and I fretted over it. What would I do? You know, I've been doing this for a long time, you know, almost 40 years or so, and, and I think that little nervousness you get in your stomach shows you care, mm-hmm. and I think you need some of that. I agree. Um, the thing is, I, I did just what you said, Craig. I've always, whenever I'm talking to an audience, I want to start off with something that I can connect with right away. And it's usually something self-deprecating because it's fun to make fun <laughs> of yourself. That always for, works. For, I mean, like, you know, I'll, I'll have, uh, I'll reach in my pocket and say, I have a very important announcement, everybody, please, can I have absolute silence? And then I give them the forecast. And then they all start <laughs> to laugh at that because it's a little bizarre. But then, like you said, I've got a short amount of time right off the top where I got to try to get them on my side and show them that we're going to have fun and this is going to be an easy experience. Is that really the what you do? One, yes, yes. Yes. And the number one wow. fear Does it work? of all Americans is public speaking. Yeah. Number one. The number two is death, which I think is hilarious because basically what it says is you'd rather be buried six feet underground than be on top of ground delivering some sort of sure. comment about something, yeah, you know? You feel like but you'll die if it wanna, falls apart. Th- that's right. And yeah. I tell people, you need to die for the opportunity to speak because mm. most people don't get that. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a coveted platform, you know? Standing in front of an audience is your opportunity. Uh, or, or in your case, sitting in front of your audience is your opportunity. Standing out when you stand up becomes your brand. That, that's how people get noticed and recognized, and we live in that society. So, so when I get a corporate group of, of 20 or 40 or whatever it is, and again, these are all interactive. They learn a back pocket speech. It takes about three minutes, and everybody, everybody gets custom to themselves. I tell people I am not going to make you the best public speaker in the world. My job is to make you your best public hmm. speaker. I don't call it media training. I call it media coaching. Training is one way of doing something, in my opinion. Coaching Mm -hmm. is taking the best of each and every person. And we all have an inner genius, something we're very good at, our strengths and our weaknesses. How do we... How do we take that? It's no different than being a football coach or a basketball coach and blending together the strengths of everybody to, to make a great unit. 
that that's what we do. And um, people are so nervous about standing in front of people. Everybody gets butterflies. I do. You know, the key is, can you make your butterflies fly in unison? And how do you do it? And there are tricks and there are ways to avoid things like a mental power outage, as I like to call it, where you forget where your train of thought was going. And how do you connect with an audience? How do you maintain, uh, you know, they're sitting there every time uh, continually asking the, the same questions. So what? Who cares? And what's in this for me? So if you don't think about, you know, the value you bring to people when you're sitting there, you haven't done your job. You know, I've read before that airline pilots, that they have put monitors on them and that you, you think about it, you're taking a 767 up into the sky, 35,000 feet, and they are most nervous when they have to flip on the microphone and say, hey, thank you for <laughs> flying with us today. Uh, we've got a great flight crew back there. And for many of them, that's the hardest part of the job. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You want them, you want them to be able to do the other part just fine because you're like me. You don't like to fly. Uh, we are visiting with Craig Can, who was with the uh, Golf Channel for over 25 years and now has a communications business, and uh, we're having a nice visit with him about that. And I'd like to say, if you like back to you with uh, me and Steve, then be sure to check out some of the other programs on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like. Steps in the city. Let me tell you about that when I find it here. What do you do when you give two Steps microphones? Lots of laughs and a few cringes while covering everything from dating and sex to news and entertainment. It sounds like this show, doesn't it, Steve? <laughs> Only on the Radio Misfits dot, uh, podcast <laughs> network. Great radio isn't dead. It's just moved to a better place. Radio Misfits dot I'm trying to figure out your brand. Mine? Yeah. I don't have a Still brand. Still haven't figured that out. Everybody's yeah, got one, though, right? Yeah, he does. I don't have yeah, a he brand. Does. Now, would he, would he, Craig, what would his brand be? Just, I mean, well, how should uh, he Howard, think about uh, it? Let, let's just cut to the chase. How, how old are you? Uh, Steve? He's talking to you. No, he said you, Howard. 63. You. Yeah. 63. Okay. So um, you got me by 10 years, but when I was, when I was, younger Thanks. i watched you all the time and this is exactly what i thought and i remember being at the western open uh covering it for golf channel when we bring the show on the road um you were always to, this is to me okay um you know weigel had his shtick you were solid never made a mistake were very um always enjoyed the time that you were sitting on the set and i looked at you as as you know almost like a, a little bit more of a dignitary than a sportscaster that's just the way i looked at you i felt like you were you know um a guy that was you know solid is such a bad word but i always took pride in what people said man you are solid you know and uh that's who you were as a person to me and uh i just respected the way you carried yourself through a sportscast and, and at the end the banter that you had with with uh the anchor on the other side. You know, I always remember Chet Kopic at the end when he was anchoring with Linda Yu and he'd end his sportscast by saying, game, set, match, back to you, Linda. You know, and I, uh -huh. I, I remember watching everybody in that market, and I did make phone calls as a kid. That is who I wanted to be. That is the market. If you would have told me I could be a sportscaster and be Howard Sudbury in Chicago, that was what I wanted to do. I idolized all of you guys. Well, well that's sounds a great like compliment. You, and you made happen for your life what you saw as a kid. I mean, you, you saw it in your head. I'm a believer that if you can visualize it, it may not happen tomorrow or the next yeah. week, but it can happen. And it's up to yeah. you 
you can rest, but you can't stop working at it. Because I've no, been around right. some, I, I've been around people more talented than I that I grew up with, and the only reason why they're not doing certain things in broadcasting or entertainment is because they just stopped. I mean, they stopped trying to do it. It got too tiring. It was too, yeah. you know, it's too much. You start to have a family, and other things happen that you you can't continue. It's tough to to persevere, especially for a lot of young people who may not realize that that's part of the struggle to make it happen. It is. It's the struggle. It's perseverance, and and a lot of people quit just when they're about to make it. And you need that you need that break, but you got to create it. Nothing's given. It's it's all earned. And uh, today, a lot of kids, you know, they don't necessarily have the patience to go to small markets. I was in Columbus, Georgia, Fort Myers, Florida, and Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo before mm. I landed the opportunity at the Golf Channel. And if not for that, yeah. uh, and those those opportunities, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't have ended up where I was. I was the kid, and I'm I'm working on a book project right now uh, that's supposed to be out this fall. We'll see if I can get this thing done or Christmas time anyway. Um, but it, it's called Broadcasting Your Story and uh, a no-fears approach to building your brand. I was the kid at, at eight years old that sat in my room on the second floor in Western Springs that had a microphone and a tape recorder <laughs> and broadcast my own Bulls games and White Sox games and, and uh, Blackhawks games. And, and I pretended that I was the guy. And, and I had the door closed, and my buddies could come over, but they, they could only be the color commentator. I controlled the mic, and, and when Mengelt shot shot one from the corner and won the game, I, I'd say Bulls beat the Sixers 103-100, back with more right after this Bulls postgame brought to you by Pepsi-Cola. And, and nobody was allowed in my room, but that's, that's what I wanted to do. And I did play-by-play on family vacations in the car until my parents told me to zip it. Uh, but you have to have that drive, and you have to have that passion for stuff. Well, Howard said you used to do things like that, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, mine, when I was a little kid, about four years old, Craig, I used to take the I used to take a chalkboard and draw an outline of the United States, and then draw all the highs and lows and imitate the weatherman. And my first <laughs> job in television was filling in on the weather, and I was able to do it because I was practicing when I was four or five, six years old. So it really, I mean, I think that's true for all of us. We all did. We had the drive. We knew we wanted to be on. We wanted to be broadcasters, and we practiced at it at a, at a young age, and it really did help me later on, honestly. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. And, and Steve, I mean, to me, a weathercaster is is as good a storyteller as there is in television. I always believe this. Now, some news anchors would be upset at me for saying this, but if you watch election night, mm-hmm. okay, and you've got all these people who are used to reading teleprompters and used to reading scripts, yes. and that night is as ad-lib as anything yes. there is in television. And if you threw the sportscasters and the weathercasters up there and told them to handle election night, yeah. they'd handle it better. It would be more conversational and better storytelling because that's what they do every day. Now, take nothing away from the anchors. I mean, we wish we could be, you know, them in many in many ways. And everybody has different talents. But, you know, storytelling is an art. And that is how we create following. We connect with people through our stories. You are and, exactly um, on the money, on the money, yeah. because uh, even when I talk to kids about what my job was every night, I'd say, you got to have a great beginning, and you fill in the middle, and you got to have an end. And I'm telling a story every time you see me, you know, in front of the map, because 
That's exactly what it is. Sports is a story, too. And you're right. We're the only ones that don't have everything written word for word. And I used to get angry when people would say, anybody can do what you're doing. Then they realize <laughs> that it yeah. takes a lot. I think the easiest, the easiest, if I see you get up and you give a speech, Craig, tomorrow, and it's effortless, and it looks like I could do it, I think you put in the work to make that happen. You put in a lot. I know that somewhere along the line, Craig put in a lot of work to allow him to be that free in front of me tonight as he effortlessly gives me the speech. Well, you probably heard this, Howard. Uh, write like you talk. Don't talk like it's written. Exactly. And, mm. and that's another right. thing. You know, I, I get these corporate executives, and I'm, I'm leaving on a, on a plane this week. Uh, I'm going to go work with a, an executive uh, at a pretty big company to help him with his presentation skills. And... Um, a lot of them want to write things down. They want to write their whole speech, and they completely forget the importance and the art of just talking with me. Don't talk at me. Mm -hmm. And they, they don't write it in the right way. And, and eventually, you know, what I coach them to do is they take their script, and then I want to start eliminating paragraphs and sentences, and I want to get down to bullet points. And then when I get off of the bullet points, I want to get down to, to just words. And if you can remember just three words... You know, I call it the back pocket speech, and it, it's a fun exercise for people, but that's what I coach. You can go in front of any audience. You can travel around the country and deliver your own message, but you got to have a, a, a plan, and it's a, it's a pretty simple thing, but I really enjoy that aspect of it. Um, a lot of corporate folks, they're really good at, at you know, dealing with uh, money and, and trying to figure out how the stocks and shareholders are going to feel about this and that and the other thing, and they forget that at the end of the day, I'm not buying their brand unless mm. I buy them first. And they have got to sell me. You know, it's um, I, I do this little exercise with people in the front of the room. And I say, you know, in real estate, a realtor puts a for sale sign in front of a house to sell it. In speaking, there are not for sale signs. There are for sell signs. You are selling yourself, you are selling your organization, and you darn well better be selling a value message. The best of the best are the ones that stand out and get people to walk out of the room and go tell other people about what they just heard. And if you can make people remember what they're supposed to remember, then you've done your job. Well said. All right. Craig, before we let you go, you're a longtime broadcaster. You're from Chicago. You watched us. I'll give you an opportunity to ask Steve and I anything you want. You can become the interviewer. Uh, Howard, who's going to win the uh, seventh race at Arlington? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that. There's no racing today. They race Thursday, but I can tell you Thursday morning. There you go. So just there let me go. know. I'll right, get it out Steve. to you. How about I was just Steve? in Chicago recently, and I will tell everybody this. Even as a Chicago guy, that architectural boat tour is just yes, fantastic. It is. It, 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 you, you never see the city. And I'm so tired of people saying there's so much crime in Chicago. There is crime everywhere. The city of Chicago is as pretty a city as there is. I've been to a lot of places around the world in my travels, you know, into Asia and, and elsewhere. Um, Chicago is still the best of the best. You know, all right, you're the weather guy, but I, I want to know, I want to know, when you are driving on the interstates in Chicago, yeah. 
and the potholes are so damn bad. What is the cause of that from a weather perspective? Gee, I wish I really could give you the precise answer, but it has to do with, uh, you know, you go through these harsh winters or lots of moisture in the winter, and, you know, it's got to go somewhere. We had a lot of uh, rain and wet weather at one point, and I think that leads to uh, just too much water. And if it's not running off and going into a stream or somewhere else, it's going to sit there and eventually... It you know it gets hotter and and then that sort of sinks in and you got your potholes. I'm thinking. Well, there you go, there you go. So I'm going to leave you guys with this, and I'm gonna, here's the question I want each of you to answer. Yeah. In Thirty seconds or less. Sure. All right. And unfortunately, Howard, you're going to get an extra thirty seconds to to <laughs> figure it out. Steve, I want to know who you are, and why we all should pay attention. Boy, who I, who I am and why we should pay attention. That's a I'm, great question. I, well, I don't know. But what kind of answer could I give you? I think I'm someone who's had a lot of experience, probably real-life experience, you know. I mean, I, I, didn't, I wasn't born into a family of connections that got me a job in TV. I've, I've worked, you know, worked my way through college, and, you know, I've done various jobs along the way that sort of taught me what I didn't want to do for a living and it gave me the value of an education and why I should have stayed in college. And then, um, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm just like uh, everybody else fortunate enough to have a job that everybody sees. Mm-hmm. See, most people, executives, coaches, athletes, when I bring them in front of the room to start my talk that day, yeah. that gets everybody's attention for two reasons. Number one, most people haven't truly thought of the answer to that. Yeah. And they, they forget that true storytelling and being able to share your own story, which nobody knows better than you, is the key to connecting with the audience. And the other part of it is the minute I bring somebody in front of the room and ask them that question, everybody else's eyes go wide open and I have all their attention because mm-hmm. they think I'm calling on them next. And it scares the heck out of them. So I would never ask you the same question, I just tripped you up, Howard, that I just asked him. My question to you is, what is the greatest value you have brought to your audience in your career? Wow, that is terrific. The value that I believe that I brought because I covered so many championship teams is that I had the ability to be the eyes and the ears for the fan and take them inside the locker room after these teams won the championships. I gave them the opportunity to get to know some of the athletes that they love. And I got to be, you know, their, 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 their way of seeing and experiencing what I was experiencing. Because I was covering it, but I was bringing it to them. That's, that's what I tried to do. The other thing that I would say it dovetails off of what Steve said is that I've been really lucky. I was lucky. to. I worked all over the place too, Craig. I was lucky to get jobs. Mm-hmm. When I applied, I got jobs. I got job after job after job. Uh, to wrap it up, I would say that um, I always tried to tell the truth the way I saw it. <laughs> and um, I am who you think I am. Yeah. Yep. 
I think we all try to be people's friends as opposed to just being a broadcaster. And if we can do that, we all find a great degree of success. And, and, and that's the legacy. That's what you want is you want people to say, I liked that guy or I liked that woman. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been awesome. Man, I got to get back in touch with Craig to get my brand together. I yes. love the stuff you've been <clears throat> talking about because, it, you know, you, you're, a lot of, you're so busy trying to look outward all the time. You don't look inward to see who you are as a person that you want to be. So that, a lot of that stuff is very helpful, I think, Craig. Well, I appreciate that. I Craig, appreciate as we let you go, any place uh, people can find you if they are interested in the, your services? Well, they can go to canadvisory.com. They can email me at info at canadvisory.com. That's K-A-N-N advisory.com. And they can follow me on Twitter at Craig Can with two Ks, K-R-A-I-G-K-A-N-N. And, uh, and send me some thoughts. You know, I, I always respond to what people have to say. Uh, I'd love to get into conversations with people. And um, I'd love to get up to Chicago. I'm going to be up there a couple of times before the year's out with a couple of big clients doing some workshops leadership workshops and communication skills for corporate groups and um you know i'd love to find my way into doing something and bring you guys in as well that'd be a lot of fun it would be and if you come to town when you do you're welcome in the studio we'd love to talk to you again indeed. thank you very yes, much indeed. you were great uh you, you guys are fantastic and you'll be on my podcast when that launches later this year so thank great. you thank you craig all right craig thank you very much and we would like to invite people to listen subscribe rate back to you on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Just search for Radio Misfits. Steve, I think uh, he said a lot of interesting things, but um, the average attention span of a human being is eight seconds. What? Did you say something? Yeah. That's about right for both of us, isn't it? Are you talking to me? You were going to say I was going to. I minus four seconds. <laughs> no, yeah, he's right. You got to. He's get, right. You got to get to the point quick. And you you got to make them stick with you. I like it when he said, "What's in it for me?" I had a. Uh, <clears throat> I, I've taken um, all sorts of bizarre courses before in school, and one of them was a writing class, and it was a very successful successful ad writer. And he owned his own advertising agency, and he wrote jingles and some popular commercials that people would hear uh, on TV or, or on radio. And he said, look, I don't care what else you remember, and I don't care who you're talking to in any format, whether you're writing ads like I do for a living or you're on TV or radio or whatever you do. Remember, people are always asking the same question, and you better answer it as fast as you can. And you know what that question is? What? What's in it for me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why are you telling me this? What's in it for me? And then you've got to answer that. Like uh, Craig had said, you've got to get to it quickly, and then they'll stick with you for more. All right. Well, I really enjoyed this show, and I, I like it a lot better the last couple of weeks because I have this TV camera pointed at me with this monitor over here. Yeah, I don't get that. What's that all no. about? Well, you know. Why is it only pointed at you? Why do you think? <laughs> Just... <laughs> Why'd you say it in such a suave way? I, I'm the facilitator. Oh, why, oh, why I'm the think? facilitator, and I have I don't a better. Get it. I have Is a it better, broadcasting somewhere that I don't know about. I have a yeah. It's on satellite TV. Really? Yeah. And I'm cut completely I'm a, out of it. I'm a. Uh, I have a better agent. 
Special thanks to Chief Engineer Chris Swake, Executive Producer Tony Lasano with Opie Productions. Opie is... Hippo, spelled backwards. That's exactly right. Distributed by Ed Silla of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'll give you the last word. Let me use my eight seconds. <laughs> no, it's great. Great uh, fun. Uh, uh, great food for thought. And I'm hungry now. I want food, real food, physical food. Um, what are you doing after this? Uh, I'm going to go eat, and you're buying. I don't know. You're the one with the money rolling in. Thanks for listening. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of OPI Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Be sure to tune in to Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. Our podcast highlights the best soccer league in the world. The English Premier League. We recap the previous week's games. And preview the upcoming games. I do it from an American point of view. And I do it as an authentic Brit. Accent and all. That's authentic. Right, Governor? Not exactly how I say it. <laughs> we also talk about the local soccer scene because Adam is the Illinois Youth Director of Coaching. If you love soccer. Football. Football. Tune in to Free Kicks. New episodes drop weekly. On the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. In this episode of Anne Friends, I'd like to describe it in one word. Chicken. That's that's the most fitting word. We we do describe chicken a lot. Yeah, we talk about chicken a ton. We go into a lot of other things talking about chicken and we get hungry, but we also get into our feels because Tommy, you bring us out with crying. Yeah, we cry at the end. Everyone cries. If you want to listen to us cry, check out and friends on radiomisfits.com and Opie Production. Come and join us. Be our friend. <laughs> <laughs>